Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Easy Conversations, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I sit down with Brody Miller. Brody shares his story of experiencing malformation in his brain, which was causing him to have seizures and also impacting his decision-making capabilities earlier in life. Brody talks about how this experience has motivated him to work in the space of neurotransformation. Uh, Brody and I also touch on how we can change our mindset and decision-making capabilities through neuroplasticity. I hope you can get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end you can leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. Brody, thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, Super grateful for you to come on here and take the time to have this conversation with me. Um, I think some of the topics I want to cover with you are quite relevant and I'm super intrigued by them. I've been doing a lot of reading and listening to podcasts on neuroplasticity and neuroscience. So I'm really excited to hear your take on it. And uh, before we get started, I just want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself where you're located and what kind of work you're doing, uh, especially in the space. Sure. Thanks for having me on. First of all, I am from originally Asheville, North Carolina, a little town in the mountains in North Carolina, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I recently moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado in January of this year. And I am doing an online space as far as neurotransformations goes neurotransformations is a online addiction program to help young men gain confidence because that's a key issue um i also deal with brain trauma ocd things of that nature and i got in this space originally because i well it was almost forced into it because four and a half years ago, I had brain surgery. They removed a cavernomous malformation in my left frontal lobe. It was leaking blood into my brain and causing me to have grand mal seizures. Mm. And before this occurred, I had horrible decision-making skills. I was involved in addiction. I had brain trauma my decision-making skills were very poor to say the least. And I later found out about neuroplasticity and neuroscience after the fact that I got, um, but I mean, my health was horrid, you know, I had bilateral forearm pain uh, and I was still drinking after the brain surgery. And that was just, that's just insanity. When you think about it, drinking with seizure medications and, you know, luckily I ran into a few really positive influences, one being Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also started reading and got into personal development a lot. And I ran into neuroscience and just, really fell in love with it, like mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And it changed my entire personality. So like, if you would have spoken to me, maybe even a year ago, I was having trouble uh, 
getting my words put together in a sentence. So much less getting on a podcast and talking to somebody like you who's involved in the brain space. So it just shows you that like how amazing neuroplasticity is in my entire personality has changed. Like I used to be an introvert. I feel actually extroverted now. Mm -hmm. And, and that was all, a lot of it was self-directed. Like I wanted to gain more confidence and things of that nature. And it's not just available to younger people. Neuroplasticity occurs at all ages. And of course it's a little less as you age, but no Mm -hmm. less, there's still ways of changing out there. And I really appreciate you once again, having me on here and would love to hear more about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, you know, I think, uh, I mean, obviously my story is not as significant as yours, but I think we all kind of face adversity that challenges us in different ways and forces us to, I mean, I feel like either you can choose to just stay in your old patterns and suffer and, and just blame everyone else, or you can take it upon yourself to make the change. And it sounds like that's something you did. Uh, it's something I've been doing, um, just going through separation and dealing with that um, adversity really forced me to look inward rather mm-hmm. than just looking outward and, you know, saying, oh, it was this person that did this or that person did that. It was really, what am I doing and what can I do going forward? And, you know, for me, the space has been important. And I think um, I a part of this platform for me is really getting men and talking about mental health Mm. and and, you know I'm not all my guests on the podcast have been men but my primary focus is men's mental health um, and just getting everyone to speak up and share stories because I feel like the more uh, you know more stories that are out there the more other men feel comfortable sharing their own and and don't feel alone so um, so that's kind of my goal in this space but you know I I admire the work you've done and even to come from where you were, you know, like you said, a year ago to now that's uh, very uh, inspiring. And that's something, you know, when I read your story from the time you had your brain surgery, I I really wanted to reach out to you and have this conversation. Um, But you touched on a lot of stuff and I want to tap into it a little bit. Um, So I guess, you know, from a, uh, you mentioned the seizures and stuff like that. Uh, do you mind expanding on that a little bit in terms of what was the source? I know you mentioned that, you know, like in your brain, the, the left, was it your left frontal lobe you said? Yes. Yeah. So do, do you happen to know what was causing that? And at what point did you realize it was serious enough to, to, to go for surgery? Yeah, Absolutely. And you bring up so such a important topic, men's mental health, like it's needed more now than ever. And I, after I give you this explanation, we'll talk more about that just because mm-hmm. absolutely, uh, this is such an important topic. But to the full story was that I was in an addiction recovery center in Arizona <clears throat> and I was speaking to a sponsor at the time in out of nowhere, there's just this wave, like my whole world was spinning around. I didn't know what was going on. And I woke up in the hospital. And so a cavernomous malformation is just, it's like essentially 
a benign brain tumor. It's not exactly that, but it was leaking blood into the rest of the brain. And when blood is stimulated into your brain, you have an electrical reaction, which they call that a seizure. Mm. And mine were grand mal seizures. There's so many different forms of epilepsy and it's not just grandmas. You'll have like moments where you're just staring off into space or doing things that are just completely out of the ordinary. But I ended up having surgery about two or three weeks after that because no, everybody was so confused, didn't know what was going on. They did a brain scan when they mm-hmm. took me to the hospital and they found it and they said, okay, it was this theoretically it was caused, uh, it was the malformation originated when I was younger, when I was born. Um, they call it malformation, you know, it's, it's not formed well, malformed, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you think of Spanish mal is, you know, it's, it's bad. So malformation, you know, bad form. (laughs) And anyway, uh, it was just, it, it was necessary and it was like about the size of a cranberry. I told you in the, the left frontal lobe, I just studied and studied the brain after the fact in neuroscience. And it's just so important for de- decision-making skills, mm-hmm. motor skills. It's the prefrontal cortex is the decision maker. It's the conscious mind. It, it dictates to the rest of your body and mind, what you're going to do. And it's, if you can utilize it appropriately, it, it will do wonders for you. Mm-hmm. But, um, cause there's a lot of talk about the subconscious mind and in unconscious mind, and you want to utilize both, but if you can utilize the powers of the conscious mind too, that that's a wonderful thing to do. Um, so yeah, that, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess, um, before we move on, I think, so, so when you mentioned, you know, you, you were making poor decisions earlier in life, uh, even leading up to your surgery and, and after, so it sounds like because you had this malformation on your left uh, frontal lobe, that was primarily causing all of that, right? Is that fair to say? 100%. Okay. Um, of course, there was other things that I did to make I mean, to further damage my brain, such as, you know, drinking, uh, drugs, fighting, uh, Mm -hmm. brain trauma, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other poor, poor decisions. But I mean, it's difficult to say what came first, the chicken or the egg of, of this, but, and I, you know, I, like you said, I don't want to put the blame on anything, you Mm -hmm. know, at that time is just really bad. But I mean, it, it definitely played a p- big role in, in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I guess, so part of the work you're doing now with young men in addiction, uh, you know, obviously, it sounds like you, you've been inspired by what you went through and, and you want to help others. And can you like, you know, expand on that a little bit in terms of like, what was it that, you know, really inspired you? And how is that work going? Like, you know, what are the progress uh, progresses you've made in this space helping other people sure i can definitely elaborate on that i ran into a book and it's called joe dispenza 
breaking the habit of being yourself. Yeah. And it just talked in a, such a scientific fundamental level about how important each thought that we think is. And it gave me the hope that I could change myself because it was just a complete disaster at the time. And that was like my first bit of juice. And then I ran into Robin Sharma, a monk who sold his Ferrari. Uh, I mean, and on and on, just so many wonderful sources of uh, explaining how the brain works and functioning and brain and body, you know, in, in tandem. And that just really, really empowered me. And I, to elaborate on other things that helped, I got into Toastmasters, public speaking. I mean, just anything to put me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just because from a primal standpoint, like your brain, it, it, you know, your lizard brain is sending you signals of fear all the time. And, and that's just what it does. But if you can learn to control your uh, cerebral cortex, which is your prefrontal cortex, your limbic system, uh, and your lizard brain, if you can learn bits and pieces about each information, uh, then you can really start to gain a grasp of how to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's important that you touch on that, because I think a lot of our, the fact that we stay in our comfort zone is uh, primarily also because of the fight or flight mechanism that we have built in with the, whenever our amygdala kicks in and, and bypasses the frontal cortex. And as you mentioned, you know, our frontal cortex is the conscious mind. And this, the, the second we start giving power to that, that is when we can really get more control of our behaviors and uh, some of the maladaptive ways we've figured out from the past or the patterns we've had to deal with certain things. Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, it's interesting to hear how you were able to really push yourself out. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, you were fairly introverted, but to be able to do Toastmasters and stuff like that, you were really stepping out of your comfort zone, which yes. in itself is a form of growth. And that's mm-hmm. when we really expand. Um, but so, so with that being said, like, what is the work you're doing now with uh, some of the young men? And I think a lot of it touches on like you wanted to talk about men's mental health. Sure. Yeah. I right now am building a personalized online program for young men dealing with addiction issues, but it doesn't only, it won't only help uh, addiction. It's going to help OCD brain trauma. And it's not, it's not going to be exclusive to young men. It's, it's whoever would like to enjoy the program, but that's kind of the focus market because when I was in addiction, active addiction, I had quite a few friends pass away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were great, wonderful people. And I would say a lot more intelligent than me. And, uh, you know, it was just so sad to see. And they had so much, they had the whole world going for them. But addiction, the disease of addiction uh, took them away. And that time, there was so much toxic masculinity big big problem in the industry going on such a I'm not going to say any names but the people in who were running the program you know 
were just boosting up their ego, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, look at my car, look at my girl, look at, you know, it was just, it was boosting a culture of just testosterone induced uh, madness. And, you know, as a, a lot of guys in recovery, you know, you'd feel lonely in a space like that. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, Oh, they're addicted to, they're just addicted to other things. You know, I mean, we're all addicted to something because we're humans, but nonetheless, like when it's just that obvious and ridiculous, it, it just, you're like, I thought there was a better life and all this, like, you know, chain smoking cigarettes and chugging Red Bulls before AA meetings. Like, dude, you're not chain. That's not healthy. <laughs> so it's just like, I, I'm want to create a space where everybody's feels safe. Everybody can uh, learn the powers of the brain and the mind and everybody can learn empowerment and it can just be a, a positive environment uh, and safe space and so like I said right now I'm uh, in the process of building an online program and it should be out hopefully I, I'm not going to give any timelines because I'm really really trying to make it good mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah absolutely um, I think it's more about the quality than trying to get it out on time right and Mm -hmm. that's what's important um i guess along those lines like you know we've talked about neuroplasticity to a certain extent but you know i really want to hear your experience in terms of because i think you know the term has obviously gained a lot of prominence uh especially over the past couple years you know you, you often hear it now in common language but I don't know if people fully appreciate what neuroplasticity is and what it requires. But, you know, for someone who's experienced firsthand a significant change, even over the last year, you know, what I really want to hear is your story. And maybe you could share, like, what, what were some of the efforts and you made and the discipline that it requires at times? And often, you know, you hear people with OCD that struggle quite a bit because they keep resorting to the the compulsive behaviors. But even in those cases, you know, people are able to uh, change their behavior patterns by focusing on healthier choices. So, you know, I just want to hear your your version of it. Absolutely, man. And bringing up such great topics. First of all, I neuroplasticity in is also called brain plasticity it's another way that it's referred to it does require dedication it's not you're not going to change by just sitting on your ass yeah you're, i'm sorry it's just nothing works like that i mean sometimes you kind of are because when you're meditating you're sitting on your ass <laughs> uh, that's that's a story for another day i yeah. think that it's a lot of people don't understand how powerful it is. I think common knowledge is people know about neuroplasticity, but they, you know, might've heard a few things about it, but like when you know, it all starts with your thinking, your thoughts or your beliefs. Like, of course, like beliefs are very important, but a belief is just a thought that's thought many times until it strengthens. It's just a strengthened uh, synaptic connection. Um, But like at a basic level, you know, our brain controls our body. Um, 
our mind and our brain, which are different things entirely, actually, the mind and brain, the brain is the physical subject, the mind is so much more. Yeah, yeah, but that's where almost that quantum mechanics comes into your like the, the connection between the brain and the mind, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, but once you understand, like, your brain controls your body, but your body also sig signals back to the brain because you have, you know, your heart, you have your gut. It's so much more than the brain. I, of course, I became obsessed about it because of what happened to me. Mm -hmm. But your mind, your mind and your brain, they control a large percentage of what's going on. Um, but it's also important to know that your your body's sending signals like, for example, like when you meditate, you'll sit down and you'll feel these impulses up and your body is trying to unseat you. It's trying to knock you off. Like if you're sitting there and you want to move, that's that's usually your body trying to control your mind and not the other way around. So mm -hmm. it, it's super fascinating. Um, I don't know if I talked about how people could get into it at a basic level, like where to start, you know, I think that's a important thing to bring up. And for me, meditation gets very confused, unfortunately, like people, meditation just means to know thyself, like that's what the literal translation is. And so you're just knowing thyself more and there's so many forms of meditation. So don't get, don't become afraid of that word. It is intimidating. It does sound difficult, but there's meditation can be as simple as you being out in the garden and, and enjoying the present moment, you know, mm -hmm. just enjoying the sun, breathing in, breathing out thing, things of that nature. So I, I really truly believe everybody can get involved with this. It's just some, uh, there's a little bit of fear level, unfortunately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I tell people you, you can meditate even walking as long as you're counting your steps with your breath. Um, that is meditating as, and, and being present in that moment. So definitely. Um, yeah. Like maybe I know you said like, you know, for most people from a basic standpoint, let's, you know, like, if you want to, like, kind of unpack neuroplasticity, and, and if we want to explain to people, okay, well, you know, the, the, the effort required, and changing your mindset, and the impulses that come to you, and, and not responding to them as you would, like a reflex. Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, can you just unpack it a little bit? And, and, you know, like, from a very basic standpoint? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it gets so it gets so much easier. <laughs> Things get easier. It, it may be so, so difficult in the beginning, so difficult, because you're fighting so many old, negative pathways that your brain created. And it's a lot of times it's unwiring those old negative path uh, connections and creating new synaptic connections and it's just so it, it's so it's very it was very very difficult at the beginning i i just said heck i'm gonna try this meditation thing i just dedicated myself 
I, I would miss a couple of days and sometimes I would miss three or four days and I'd be like, wow, I actually felt a little bit better, just a little bit better for meditation. So I'm going to do it again. I'm just going to sit down, listen to some guided meditations and let it happen. And I think it's very important for people to know it's, it's better to meditate in the, the mornings or the nights because you're going to get more bang for your buck. You're going to get more out of that meditation because our brain has different uh, levels of consciousness. You know, we, of course, we go from beta to alpha to theta to delta, which delta is deep sleep. So um, you want to try to be in that level of alpha, which a lot of times you are in the early mornings, late night, you're already more receptive to the information coming in and whether that be a guided meditation or however. But uh, I think another really important thing for people to understand is there's a book that David Eagle, Eagleman uh, uh, recently wrote. And he talked about how if you just read one page, your brain changes in a positive way from that maybe those aren't the exact words, but mm -hmm. that just shows you how malleable plastic or how easily influenced we are by what we do. So if you just read one page, or if you just meditate for one minute, you're going to create these positive habits, your your brain is automatically going to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say go listen to the news. But because uh, that's that's not a good good habit your brain's yeah. going to change in a negative way yeah so just be conscious and be more aware of what do you enjoy doing that is also positive for your brain and your body and your overall health yeah yeah for sure and and I've experienced that myself and most of the stuff I've read too, but it's just you know I think a lot of the times the, like you said the synapses are formed earlier in childhood or even adolescence where you just cope with certain things, whether it's trauma, trauma or, or anything. Right. And our brain's job is to protect us. So, so those synapses are formed, but I think, you know, like you said, plasticity can happen at any age. Obviously it's a lot harder when you get older, but in my experience, I find often I've had maladaptive coping mechanisms mechanisms with certain things especially when they're I feel like I'm like quote unquote in threat you know mm. the fight or flight and I'll respond to protect myself but it's being able to recognize those moments and slow things down and like you said meditation is really important uh, breathing techniques grounding yourself but it's really slowing yourself down and responding differently mm -hmm. and when you respond differently obviously that's not going to be your it's going to become a habit it requires like we said determination and effort and it needs to be practiced like you would practice your golf swing yes and, and over time the new synapses form where your brain doesn't immediately respond to that threat because it recognizes that it's not a threat um so yeah. yeah you said it you said it exactly right our brain's job is to keep us alive and 
it's a good thing and it's a bad thing <laughs> because you, I mean, keeping you alive, it can misrepresent, mis, misrepresent that in our hectic, crazy world that we live in today with social distancing and, and internet always on type mentality. And we have to realize that our brain still has where we haven't evolved as human beings yet to the extent to where uh, our brain keep still send those primal signals. It still uses the, the lizard brain and the areas closer to your brain stem they send and the, the amygdala, things of that nature. Uh, it's just so important to understand that you know, where we came from as humans and where we are now and why it's doing that, that will help you a little bit. But you know, um, when you get triggered, it's like a trigger and that trigger sends all this, these bad signals to your nervous system and your brainstem. And it's, it's like, okay, my only job right now is to keep me alive. And that could be as simple as uh, you know, somebody cutting you off in traffic or a, a dog barking too close to you or all kinds of things we get afraid of. But um, just know that it's not you. Like, it's not you. Like, you have thoughts and you have emotions, but you are not those thoughts and you are not those emotions. You have them, but you you have the ability to create your thoughts and your emotions mm -hmm. we uh, so that's the most important thing i tell a lot of people is just okay yeah you have that negative thought you have that wacko thoughts we all have wacko thoughts like but it's it's how you react to that thought it's how it's okay i could have the thought that i want to kill joe biden you know no, I don't actually want to kill him. That's just my crazy brain sending something crazy to my brain. But I, whatever, it may, who knows where it came from? It arrived, but I can just laugh at that because I know that it's a, at the end of the day, um, when I was in active addiction, every thought, you know, I would take so seriously. It's like my, my crazy brain would send crazy signals and I would say, oh, what the, you know, like, that's me like that's my personality no it wasn't me it's just a thought you know mm -hmm. and so the thoughts lost their power yeah yeah and so i mean you touch on that so i mean other than meditation what were some of the other things you did to to navigate through those thoughts and again to be a point at a point where you are today uh and helping others wonderful question one was deep breathing, di diaphragmic breathing, breathing, uh, getting that air and oxygen into my prefrontal cortex, drawing that energy up into the prefrontal cortex. Another tool I used was hypnosis, uh, hypnotherapy, a lot online. And I did actually pay for a few hypnotherapists to help me out. Uh, another resource is NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming wonderful wonderful way of uh understanding your thoughts and how to deal deal with them uh cold showers i'm a big fan of cold showers whenever i get angry i'll just hop in uh 
and just yell out, yell out when I'm in a cold shower. And it's, it's very therapeutic and it really puts you in the present moment. I mean, I, I could literally go on for the rest of this podcast about different stuff. Um, but another one, exercise, ex- eating healthy. Um, you could, like I said, go on and on uh, reading, journaling. So if you enjoy any of that stuff, hop on the neuroplasticity train with us because that's it's really a positive thing. And um, just for clarity, uh, so I, I mean, I, I think I've heard of NLP before, but do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Because I, I don't think a lot of the listeners would have or, or it's not something that's very common. Sure. NLP is neurolinguistic programming. I am... I am not trained in it, but I, I definitely studied quite a bit of it. And uh, the best way to describe it is like with a thought, like this is an example of NLP. It's um, so like when I, a thought comes in, it's, it's a lot of visualization, you know, like a really extensive visualization that is very helpful for your mind. So one, one example of NLP is you, you have negative thoughts, right? We all do. And to treat the thought as a, uh, excuse me, a, um, my mind's I'm freezing a little bit, but it's, it's like to, to treat it like a TV screen, like, um, like a image on a TV screen, you see the thought and to get rid of that negative thought that's so persistent, right? You imagine that thought as an image on a TV screen and you keep making it smaller. You, you make it black and white and you make it smaller, gradually smaller. And then you think of a really positive thought a positive image and you put that as a TV and you blow up that TV so big, just gigantically, and you repeat that in your brain as many times as needed, and eventually that negative thought is just hard to see. Uh, it's in black and white, and that big positive thought and positive emotion will will help you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's just that's just one small example. Right. So it sounds like it's a lot of visualization. And, all, and also positive affirmations, right? In yes. A sense. So, so a lot of people talk about positive affirmations, repeating them uh, throughout the day. So I think that's a bit more proactive. So you're not waiting for the negative thoughts. Uh, and then visualization is very common, whether it's during meditation. Uh, there's another form of therapy that's called guided imagery. Hmm. So it sounds very similar to that. So, so a lot of tools that you had to learn to be able to get to where you are today um and what was that like like obviously like you mentioned your motivation behind it but what was that like was it overwhelming at times where it was like okay this because you listed off so many things right like yeah what was that feeling like at times where did you ever feel like okay this is too much or or did you have to like kind of piecemeal it and and focus on one thing at a time yeah, it was kind of a gradual process. I started 
one thing and then added on another. And I was like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. But at times, absolutely, it got really overwhelming and really bad. And what a really horrible thing that happens during change is it feels like we're reverting back to our old selves Mm -hmm. because in neuroplasticity in in the brain you know you're forming these new synaptic connections but the old ones don't want to die away the old connections and old they're, they're very strong and they've been there for many years and so you're trying to build something new and create something beautiful but this other will just sabotage you, you know, you'll mm-hmm. sabotage you and sabotage you. And even to this day, I, you know, I'll still have negative thoughts and things like it's not a fairy tale land, but um, yeah, those like, think about it for 29 years, I, you know, fired mm-hmm. and wired these uh, negative connections and, negative programming and things of that nature so there it was pretty damn strong and then Mm -hmm. for three four years or whatever you know i'm building these new neural connections and new habits and things of that nature but the old guy he's still pretty strong at times yeah yeah and i mean that's fair and i think you know for people you know there are times where you're gonna have setbacks right like Mm -hmm. like you said it's not a fairy tale it's not like you just transform over time and now you're this different person who knows how to behave and react in a positive way um you know right yeah i'm not uh i'm not the owner of tesla or anything like that (laughs) yeah so there are like instances where you do have setbacks and i you know i think that's a very pivotal point point for many people where you know they have a setback or a few here and there, and they're like, oh, this isn't working. What's the point? And, you know, they go back to the drinking or they go back to the anger. Um, I guess, you know, like personally, I, I know that, you know, you got to be persistent and you use mm-hmm. the setbacks as learning uh, moments. But, you know, again, I want to get your perspective on it. The brain is the brain and the mind, they let's think of the brain as a muscle, you know, think you, when you go to the gym, do you pick up a 500 pound barbell and throw it over your head? No, (laughs) but like, if you pick up like a 10 pound dumbbell and you put, push it over your head again and again, you know, you're going to start getting better. And then you put on the 20, you're like, okay, the 20, and then a little bit of time, you got the 30 sooner or later, you're up to 45, 50, whatever your goal is. And the brain's the same way. It's a muscle and you need, you can strengthen it or you can weaken it depending on your actions and decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And like, you know, using the same analogy of going to the gym, you know, there's going to be days where you go and you can't lift the 30 pounds anymore and you're gonna have to just slide back to 25 and the next time you come push it back to 30 so you exactly. don't use those moments when you have to slip back a little bit on you know it's the same with me like there's some days where I can't do my max weight but that doesn't mean I just leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so or walk away and tell myself that no it's this isn't working so 
you know, it's just highlighting for people that, you know, anytime you're making change, change is hard. And if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, mm -hmm. so that's where it's the same concept with neuroplasticity. It requires determination, effort, like we've said, persistence. And if you truly want to grow and make a change in your life, you need to put that effort in. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to stay in the same habits and same behaviors, unfortunately. Right. And for anyone who's listening, I'll speak directly to you and say, you know, um, my story, yeah, my story is a bit uncommon, but there's way more people have overcome way worse obstacles than me. Like, I, you know, you hear stories of people in prison, you know, changing their lives around and people with way worse conditions, like uh, people may not believe it, but, you know, people getting up out of wheelchairs and things of that nature. So um, that, that's how powerful your brain can be, whether you believe it or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. And again, you know, I appreciate you sharing your story. And, you know, uh, again, it's very inspiring to think about, you know, over four years, how far you've come. And the fact that you're spreading that knowledge and wisdom to others and trying to help others. It's, it's very inspirational and uh, amazing in that sense. And I guess for people that want to find you on social media or online, what are some of the, the ways they can get a hold of you? Sure. Check me out at, at Neural Transformations. It's N-U or N-E-U-R-A-L, Neural, and then Transformations. You can find me on there, YouTube, Facebook, all of the other things of that nature. Um, so yeah, just check me out, hit me up, check out my content and see, we'll go from there. Yeah. And that's at Neural Transformations on Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brody, thanks again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I truly, truly appreciate it. And hopefully we can maybe set up another one of these. I, I honestly, a hundred percent in an authentic manner. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed this. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you again for tuning in as always. Please leave a five-star review and until next week.